chapter 5, and, and I, I do mean this again. Thank you for your goodness to me, and um, I'm thankful that we can be a blessing to other people, and I mean that. So thank you so much. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, it's good to be able to have this place to come to. And this church so many times is that shelter in the time of storms, and the fellowship with other believers is a blessing, and God, it's, it's something that we ought not take for granted. God, I pray that you'd help me tonight to speak what you've laid upon my heart. Lord, that you'd use it to be a help uh, to your people this evening. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I've probably said this now a couple of times, but a few weeks ago when we began looking at some of these closing verses in 1 Thessalonians, I never intended for it to become a mini-series of sorts, but that's exactly what has happened. So I want to remind us real quick what Paul said to these believers in his closing remarks in this first letter that we have recorded to the believers there in Thessalonica. First of all, he said in verse number 19, quench not the spirit. When the spirit of God is speaking to your heart, when the spirit of God is trying to convict you, when the spirit of God is trying to lead you and guide you, do not quench it, do not squelch it. And I'm telling you, it happens more than we realize. It does. It happens more than we realize, and we need to be careful about that. We need to guard against it. Then in verse number 20, he said, despise not prophesying, which basically means do not take lightly the proclamation, the teaching, and the preaching of the Word of God. That is of utmost importance in the life of a church, and we need to have a right attitude and a right spirit about the proclamation of the Word of God. And then last week, he said in verse number 21, prove all things. Essentially, what the Apostle Paul was saying was this, be a student of the Word of God. Take what you hear, test it, examine it, scrutinize it, make sure that what you are hearing is the truth of God's Word. Don't accept it just because someone said it that you respect. Don't accept it just because someone said it with authority. Don't accept it just because that's always what you've heard growing up. Be a student of the Word of God. Know the reasons why you believe what you believe. And then he said, hold fast that which is good. Basically meaning, whenever you know what the Word of God says, hold tight and don't ever let go. Though the world attacks you, though the world tells you to to loosen up and to relax and, and don't be so dogmatic on your positions, the Apostle Paul would say this, Never let go of your Bible convictions. Never let go of what the Word of God declares. And we need that reminder because of the culture that we live in today that wants us to just sway and to not have any real position or any real conviction. We need to be men and women of the book, men and women who do not sway. Now tonight we're going to be in verse number 22 in just a couple of moments. But before we do, I'd like to share a couple of thoughts. I know this will not surprise you. But I want to share a couple of thoughts about my childhood and about my upbringing. And please know the examples that I'm about to share with you, they are not just random thoughts, okay? There is a reason for what I'm about to say to you, and just bear with me and we'll understand it in a couple of moments. Growing up in the home that I grew up in, something that was not a part of our home environment was profanity, okay? Growing up, I never one time, and I'm not exaggerating, I never one time heard my dad utter a profanity. No matter how angry, no matter how frustrated, no matter how upset, no matter what the situation was, 
Never one time did I hear my dad utter a profanity of any sort. I never heard my mom utter a profanity of any sort. I never heard grandparents utter it. I certainly knew that such words existed, but in our home, those words were not ever used. So guess what I knew? Those words better not ever come out of my mouth. If such a word came out of my mouth, especially in the presence of my parents, I knew what would happen. I would get disciplined in ways I did not want to think about. I would have those words in that mouth addressed in ways that would not be comfortable for me. And so because of the environment that I grew up in where profanity, it just wasn't allowed, it just wasn't tolerated, it was not going to be a way in which we expressed ourselves, I figured out pretty quick, like most kids with a brain would, that let's not say that in this house. Something else that was not tolerated in our house was smoking. We had neighbors who smoked. My parents had friends who smoked. I had an uncle who smoked for a long time. They were welcome to do it, but not at our house. You're not going to smoke at our house. You're not going to smoke in our cars when we're driving down the road. Uh, it, it's just its not going to happen. So guess what I learned? Even though my best friend across the street, whose dad was a smoker, who we could have gotten to his cigarettes if we had so chosen to, guess what I knew very clearly in my mind? Uh, you better not even touch those things because I would be cured instantly. No patch or gum would be necessary. Hypnosis would not be required. It would be addressed immediately and it would be addressed thoroughly. I knew without a doubt, don't even touch him. I knew this to be true growing up in the years that I was there. Earrings were for girls, not boys. See, it was in those years that I was coming into my teenage years, and my brother, who was ahead of me a few years, now he was certainly in the midst of that when, when guys began getting their ears pierced, I don't know if my brother ever approached the subject with my parents. I know that I did not because I didn't even need to approach the subject. I knew my parents' position on it. I'm not getting an earring. Now, if you take just those three examples, I wasn't allowed to cuss, I wasn't allowed to smoke, and I couldn't get my ears pierced as a teenage boy, you know what some people would say? They'd say, man, you grew up in a strict home. Because by the time I was 14, you know, I was already using all the words in the book. And by the time I was this age, I was already smoking. And, and by the time I was this age, I was already doing this. I mean, you grew up in a strict home. And to that, I would say, you're exactly right. I did grow up in a strict home. I understood my parents' perspective on that, and I understood why they would not allow such a thing from me. They had ingrained in me that those things were wrong, so I understood it and I didn't have a problem with it. But if you would say to me this evening, you grew up in a strict home, I would say, you're exactly right, I did. But I would also follow that up by saying this, you don't know the half of it because of the way my parents raised us. See, I wasn't allowed to use profanity. But something else we weren't allowed to use growing up was Christian profanity. 
You know what I mean? The words that Christians like to use in a replacement manner for what the world likes to use. So there were just certain words that were popular back in my day, and and they're still popular today in the minds of a lot of people. And and this evening, I could probably tell you what those words were, and a lot of you would be like, are you serious? I'd be like, yeah, I'm serious. But see, to this day, because of how I was raised, I'm still not comfortable using those words, especially in public. Now, like if it were just me and you having a conversation, I would say it. But from the pulpit, I, I still feel uncomfortable because I'm afraid my parents might be watching online and I'd still get in trouble. Okay, so I wasn't even allowed to use Christian profanity growing up. And even if I wanted to today, I still couldn't use it at my parents' house because my dad and mom would still get on to me and they'd say something like this. Hey, listen, that's just a Christian's way of replacing that curse word for this or that using this word to replace that curse word. And and that's not how we handle ourselves. And, And so it wasn't even an option. How many of you remember that candy years and years and years ago that was sold in a cigarette pack type packaging. I talked my mom into that one time and never again. I don't know if she got convicted or if my dad convicted her. I don't know what happened. But I know one time I was able to buy that cigarette candy and that was the only time I was able to get it. And the next time I asked, it was like, stupid, what would make you think you could have that? And then I remember the day that my brother got his magnetic earring. I don't know where he came across it, but it wasn't a piercing. It was just a little stud that was magnetic, and so you could just wear it on your ear, and it was a strong enough of a magnet that it would stay on there. And guess what? If he ever wore it, it was not in front of my parents. And I never asked him to borrow it. Because I knew that that would not be allowed. Now think about this, please, for just a moment. In the home life that I grew up in, it was strict. You can't cuss, you can't smoke, you can't get your ears pierced, along with a whole lot of other rules that I wasn't allowed to do. And somebody says, man, that was strict. You're exactly right. It was strict, but it goes even further than that. We're not even going to let you use the Christian cuss words, and we're not even going to let you buy candy that looks like cigarettes. And even though that little earring is magnetic, guess what? You're still not wearing it, boy because boys don't wear earrings, girls do. That was real strict. Yes, it was. And you know what? I'm better off for it. I really am. I'm not warped. I'm not jaded. And if I am, it's not for those reasons. It did me good to grow up and to go through life with that kind of mentality. Now, why do I say that? Well, this evening in our text, we read the word evil. Most of us are familiar with the word evil, are we not? What does the word evil mean? It means this, something that is bad, something that is wicked, something that is harmful, or something that is sinful. When something is evil, it is bad, it is wicked, it is harmful, it is sinful, something of that nature. You and I never hear the word evil and think of something positive. Now, when you think of the word evil, here is what you know that there are many ways in which people can manifest evil activity. 
There are many ways in which a person can manifest activity that is wicked or harmful or sinful or bad. It's not as though there are just a couple of areas. There are many, many areas in which a person can exercise evil. Now, I want to think about just a few examples tonight, not because this is going to include all of them, but because this gives us an idea of what I'm talking about this evening. But I think tonight, in this world that we live in, as messed up as it is, society would say something like this, that adultery is something that, though they may not use the word evil, it would certainly fit within the category of evil. Would you agree? They would say something like this as it relates to adultery. You know, that's kind of harmful. That's not best for the parties involved. That's not best for the husband or that's not best for the wife. It's certainly not best for the children if any children are involved. And, and, And there are so many issues that come with this. You know, I mean, it's just not a good thing for a person to engage in adultery. Again, as messed up as our culture is, as messed up as our society is, we know that to be true. Society across the board buys into that theory. Our culture, our society says this, that stealing is wrong, that stealing is wicked, that stealing would be evil, that stealing would be sinful. I know I've said this before, but for the person who would be kind of iffy on it, you could prove them wrong very quickly as soon as you took something that belonged to them. Stealing may not be a big deal in their mind, but as soon as you take something from them, they're going to say, hey, that was wrong. Don't do that, man. Hey, hey, don't you ever do that because that takes away from what I've got. That takes away from the money I've spent on certain things or, or those are my tools for my trade and you can't steal those things because it hurts me. So in this world that seems to have no moral compass, that seems to have no moral values, whatever you'd like to call it, even in this world that we live in, we still say, okay, stealing is wrong, just like adultery would be wrong. We might even hear people say something like this. You've got to be honest. You can't be a liar. Even though the world is filled with liars, people, as I've said so many times before, people don't like being lied to. Just tell me the truth, whatever the truth is. But on and on the examples could go. We live in a society where there are still certain things that in general across the board, people would say, that's wrong. That's bad. They may not use the same words, but it's sinful, it's evil, it's wicked, it's hurtful, etc., Now, as a Christian, here's what we know. I think we know this. As a Christian, here's what we know that the Bible says of these topics and other topics. Hey, don't do that. That's not allowed. That's not permissible as a child of God. Kind of like as a child of Jim and Barbara, there are certain things that just are not permissible. Those things just are not allowed. So even if you find someone in the world who would say, well, I don't think that's a big deal, or I don't think this is a big deal, or I don't think that's too significant, whatever it may be, whatever the world may think about certain subjects, certain topics, you and I, as a child of God, we can read through the Scripture and we can know without question, we can know with, with, without doubt, okay, these things are wrong, and for so many of these things that the Bible says, hey, this is right, this is wrong, do this, don't do this, 
For so many of these things, we have no problems accepting it. We can understand the basis of it, and again, we take no issue with it. Kind of like me with my parents and their rules about smoking, earrings, and and profanity. Does this make sense? So as a child of God, I'm not sitting here wrestling with, well, why, God, why can't I? Why can't I have an affair? That's not what I'm wrestling with, because I understand it's wrong, it's sinful, it's wicked, it's bad. Okay, and, and I trust that you're not sitting there in the pew this evening saying, well, well, why can't I have that affair? I mean, it's just adultery. It's no big deal. No, in our minds that is grounded, that is established, that is fixed. I mean, we're not sitting here wrestling with that, correct? Somebody may say, well, that's so strict. I mean, that's so narrow. We would say, yeah, well, it may be in your mind, but that's the way, you know, our Heavenly Father teaches us, so that's the way it is, and I'm okay with that. I'm not sitting here this evening saying to myself, well, why can't I steal? I like to steal. I like to take things that don't belong to me. What's wrong with it? That's not what I wrestle with. I trust that you don't wrestle with that. By your silence, maybe you do. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I don't think that you do. You, you may sit here this evening and like myself, you'd say, you know, I, I don't struggle with the Scripture telling me to just be honest, to be a man of integrity, to be a woman of integrity. I, I understand the need of that. I understand the importance of that. We get the basic Bible truths as taught to us in the Scripture, do we not? All right. So again, I'm certainly not covering everything because we would be here for multiplied hours if I tried to do that. But what I'm saying is this. There are so many portions of Scripture. There are so many verses that say, okay, believer, you can do this. Believer, you can't do this. And they're not recommendations. They are not suggestions. They are commandments. They are, they are ordinances given. But again, because we're children with a brain and a little bit of a thought process, we say, all right, I can handle that. I, I'm good with that. But here's what we know if we truly read through the Scripture and give attention to what is said. God does not just want to have control over the big parts of our lives. God wants control over every part of our lives. See, God, just, God doesn't just want control over my moral life and whether or not I have an affair. I mean, he, he's worried about my thoughts. He's worried about my eyes. He's worried about my emotions. He's worried about my feelings. God is worried about so much more than that. And God is not worried about just whether or not I steal, but he's worried about so many other things. God's not just worried about whether or not I, I'm honest. He is worried about so many other things. God wants control, not just over the large areas of my life. God wants control over every area of my life. Somebody within the, you know, in the world would say something like this, Man, that is real strict. I know. Now, I don't struggle with the big stuff. Usually. But you know what I do struggle with? Verses like verse number 22. Because, see, in verse number 22, we know what Paul said to the believers there in Thessalonica. He said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. What does it mean for a person to abstain from something? It means to do this, to refrain from doing something, to not engage in an activity. 
Do not engage in any activity that would even hint at the idea of something that is evil, bad, wicked, sinful, or harmful. It would be kind of like this growing up in my home. Not only are you not going to say this word, Kyle, you're not going to replace it from this word with this word because we don't want anyone to ever think that you may have said that word though you said this word. We don't even want you close to that. We don't want you chewing on one of those candy cigarettes because we would hate to think that at your age somebody might think that you were actually doing something with a real cigarette as opposed to a candy cigarette. And we're not even going to let you wear that magnetic earring because we don't want somebody to think that we were stupid enough to let you get the real earring. Okay, so here's what the Scripture is saying by way of principle. Listen, not only do you not do the evil things, the things that we understand, the things that we know, the things that we don't wrestle with, he says you do not even engage in things that would give off the appearance that you might be involved or engaging in that which is evil. I don't know about you, But that's when my stubbornness and my rebellion begins to be revealed. Because here's what I wrestle with. Why can't I? Why can't I? It's not like I'm doing this, I'm just doing this. But here's the problem. This is so close to this that if somebody caught you doing this, they may assume or think or believe or make it easier for them to assume, think, or believe that you are engaged in this. There are certain things as a child of God that you do not want to engage in because it begins to give an appearance that you are doing something that you know you ought not be doing. Now can someone take that thought and can someone take that principle and begin twisting it to fit some agenda they have of theirs? Of course they can. Somebody says, well, what exactly do you mean? Well, let's just throw something out that I think many of us could could understand and would say, okay, I can kind of see what you're saying. I, I don't go into Hastings here in town. There's a reason I don't go into Hastings, because Hastings doesn't have anything that I need, that I know of. I mean, I've been in there once or twice in the years we've been here, okay? But I do know this, that Hastings sells some publications that are not exactly godly in nature. Okay, Now somebody could say something like this, I'm not going into Hastings because I don't want somebody to assume that I am buying some of that filth or I am buying some of that smut. Now now I understand that that may be the position they take and if that's a position they take that is certainly fine and certainly between them and the Lord and, and I'm not going to question that. But what I would say is this, whenever the scripture says abstain from all appearance of evil, he's not necessarily telling us where to trade and where to shop and where to do our business. You understand this? Because from what I understand, there are many other things within Hastings that you could purchase and it be completely unrelated to something that would be garbage and filth by way of content. Does this make sense? 
I've said before that if we as Christians boycotted and banned everything that we didn't agree with, we would eventually be naked and starved to death. Because I don't agree with the political positions of Levi's, and I don't agree with the political positions of, of a lot of different things, and so I can't ban and boycott everything that I'm, uh, you know, that I'm against. But but the principle is greater than that, and that is this: you personally do not engage in anything that would cause someone to think that you might be doing something other than what you're really doing. Abstain from it. Well, what does it mean? Well, take absolutes. Take things that are not questionable. Take things that are not, you know, debatable. Take something that is absolute. Like what? Take the subject of immorality or take the subject of adultery. Okay, I know without question, I know without doubt, I am not supposed to commit adultery. That is not anything that I have to wrestle with or whatever. But there are other things that I need to be very careful not to engage in so as not to let someone else think that I am already there or headed there in my own personal life. Now, I know what some people may say. You may say something like this, Brother Kyle, don't you know who you're talking to? I know exactly who we're talking to this evening. Sit here silent if we prefer. But I want to remind us of a couple of things because we all have a sinful, wicked flesh. There is more filth available to us on our smartphones today than was available to us almost in any fashion just a few short years ago. A few years ago, we had to go looking for it. A few years ago, we had to pay good money for it if that's what we wanted to engage in. A few years ago, I mean, it took some effort to, to begin going down some ways and going down some directions you ought not go. But friends, we've got to remember that this little handheld device that can get us in more trouble than we know what to do with if we do not guard and govern ourselves against that garbage and against that trash. So when that little pop-up comes up on your screen and they want you to look at something, they want you to see something, here's what I want to remind us of. By way of morality, by way of purity, by a way of, of trying to guard our mind and protect ourselves, we don't even go there because the last thing we would want is for someone to see us doing something like that because it immediately affects, listen please, it immediately affects our testimony and people assume that if we're not already there, we are headed there. I know this will seem silly to some, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. By way of social networking, there are people who have no business being in our lives. Because it's not taking us anywhere good, even by way of appearance. This will probably shock some of you and probably gross out my kids. But I used to be attracted to other girls other than Susie. I know, shock, right? Now, why do I say that? I say that for this reason. Nothing wrong with social networking. 
but I don't need to be connected to any of the people I was once attracted to. I mean nobody that I was once attracted to. Why do I need to be socially connected to someone that I was once attracted to that I don't have any contact with? Oh, well, I mean, good grief, you're just high school buddies. I mean, I mean, that's when you knew each other. Y'all were in high school. It was innocent. It was cute. No, I mean, it may have been innocent and cute 20-something years ago. But the problem is this, is why do I need to invite that back into my life? There is no reason for that to be a part of my life because if nothing else, that can begin to fester ideas and to begin festering thoughts that I don't need any part of. So what I need to do is this, is I need to abstain from any appearance, any thought, any idea of that which would be wrong. The last thing I would want is for Susie to think I was trying to connect with some girl from high school that I used to have a silly crush on. So as weird as it seems in today's world with as many of us as are on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it may be, there are just certain people you don't need to have a part of your life. Some of you are saying, you have totally lost me. I am so not even into social media. I get it, but let me just throw this one out for some of us. There are just some TV shows that we ought not have any idea what's going on in them. God help us if we know who The Bachelor is. God help us if we know who The Bachelorette is. It's a bunch of immorality. It's a, much, it's a bunch of flaunting sin and, and, and just throwing it out there in your face and it's romanticizing it and it's, it's making it look so wonderful and it's making it look so great. How come a child of God would even be remotely attracted to something like that? Let me tell you something. There are a lot of shows us men don't need to be watching, and it's not okay for women to watch it just because men ought not be watching it. If you wouldn't want to watch it with your kiddo, you probably shouldn't want to open up the door to allow it. Well, we're adults. We can handle that. Now, I'll let you draw the line between you and the Lord, but I'm saying this. Why would we be attracted to certain things like that? Would we be attracted to that very same concept if they were all fully dressed? I've never been into ballroom dancing. But if they look like that, I could. Now, now see what I'm saying? Why would I need to... Watch that. Abstain from the even appearance of it. Because nobody would know what my mind might be entertaining as I'm watching someone do whatever. I don't even know the names of the dances, so I can't even sound intelligent on this, but I'm just saying. You understand what I'm saying? Abstain from it. Well, I'm a big kid. It won't hurt me. Doesn't matter. The Lord said through the Apostle Paul, abstain from the appearance of evil. Now let's move on just a little bit because morality, you may have already convinced yourself that that's not an issue with you. What about something like this? Our conversation. Because we do live in a world that has sanitized so many words 
that probably, if we were honest, we could express ourselves in a much better, more appropriate way. We all know what freaking is a substitute for. We do. Oh, brother Kyle, I'm just saying, whenever you say, I'm so mad, why, why do we need to even open the door to let somebody think that that may have been what we just said? There are so many euphemisms. Am I no smarter than that? That I have to resort to the Christian words to express my anger? It's just not necessary. I mean, I know guys who are Christians and whenever they forget that I'm around or, or they're so upset they don't care, they just go ahead and use the ones that the world uses. But I've been around several guys and it's like, oh yeah, I can't use that word so I'm going to use some other word. Abstain. From even the appearance. Don't, don't even engage in that. If you're that upset, if I'm that upset, you know what would be best is if I just shut up and didn't say anything. That's just ridiculous. Take it up with Paul. Because he's the one under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who said, Hey, abstain from all appearance of evil. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So we know what that is, and, and we know what corrupt communication is. Even Hollywood knows what corrupt communication is. So why would we want to get as close to it as possible without crossing the line? What about honesty? What about integrity? Why would a Christian ever think it's okay to tell just a little white lie? Since when did we get to determine what color they were? Since when did we get to determine the size of them? Since when did we get to determine who all was affected and how bad it really was? Since when did we get to determine such a thing? The scripture says, hey, listen, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. We need to be men and women who are a people of our word. We don't argue that. But whenever the scripture says, listen, I'm concerned about every area of your life. I want to control every aspect of your life. And in doing so, I say unto you, abstain. Do not engage in anything that would appear to be evil. Then here is what we've got to admit, that I'm not allowed to even twist it a little bit. I'm not allowed to distort it. I have to be completely forthright and honest in my dealings with people and if I have to twist it even a little bit I am headed in territory that I ought not be headed oh, oh, brother Kyle you don't understand my situation I, I may not but I understand what the scripture says abstain from all appearance of evil. If it's wrong, if it's bad, if it's sinful, if it's harmful, if it's hurtful, abstain from it. Even if it looks bad. Why do you abstain from it? 
because you don't want to ruin your testimony by being as close to the world as you can without being in the world. Does it make sense? We have a testimony to guard. We have a testimony to protect. We have something that is valuable. I mean, we are... We are the the name and we are the body and we are the people of Christ. And people are looking at us and we don't want to even for a moment give them the ability to criticize us. And we don't want to start down some road that could lead us a direction that we don't want to go. So someone says, man, that's strict. You're exactly right. It is strict. But let me just say this, kind of like me growing up in a really strict home, it's not going to hurt us. It's not going to warp us. It's, it's not going to make us so weird that we can't go through life and enjoy life. I mean, you can actually be a Christian and you can actually avoid the appearances of evil. You can be moral. You can be honest. You can be upright. You can be ethical. You can be all these different things. You can do these things by just abstaining from the appearance of evil and say, like, still be happy and still enjoy life. Some people think there's just no way. I'm telling you, it's possible. But until we try to do it and until we begin to take steps toward that, we will never know that it's possible. Now, again, I want to say one more time, and we're almost done. I understand that I'm only touching the the tip of the iceberg. I understand that we could be here for a long time trying to cover every possible thing. The bottom line is this. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. You really don't need some pastor standing up here and trying to point out, every, okay, this is right, this is right, this is right, that's not, that's not. You know what's right. I know what's right. We all know what's wrong. And we all know what it means to take a step toward that, though we're not fully doing it, whatever it may be. And Paul said, hey, believers, just like I don't want you to quench the spirit, just like I don't want you to despise prophesying, and just like I do want you to prove all things and be a student of the word of God and hold fast to that which is good, I'm telling you, believers, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, I'm just asking you tonight. I wouldn't know. I'm just asking you tonight. Is there any area in your life where you like to live in the gray area? You like to justify it. You like to rationalize it. You like to say, it's really not that big a deal. Is there any area in your life right now where if you were honest, you'd have to say, you know what? I'm not quite there, but I'm certainly leaning toward that direction. You need to address it because of your testimony and because of where it could take you. All right? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening, Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to be men and women who are not only willing to accept the obvious absolutes of your scripture, but, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be honest about those gray areas sometimes that we want to justify and rationalize and act like they're no big deal. Lord, would you help us to obey and to just abstain from every appearance of evil? I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren.